finding out just like two years ago, two of the brothers passed away. They got shot down. Oh, wow. My best friend's in jail doing 20. The three people that I surrounded myself with all are either dead or in jail. Chris Chavez, a.k.a. The Thick with Two C's, powerlifter, muscular, a sexy bad boy, former cocaine dealer, and single because his fiance walked out on him three weeks before the wedding because she just couldn't take him anymore. Tristan Blue, a.k.a. The Finn, a.k.a. Toys R Us, standing at 4 foot 11, giving blue balls to your friendly neighbor, giving the meaning of skinny to a whole new level, looking like... The kid my uncle touched, looking like the rapiest zoofish fart I've ever seen in my life. Mr. Blue. And together we make the Thick and Thin Podcast. Howdy, beautiful listeners. Welcome to our next installment. I think it's our fourth one of Thick and Thin. Chris, do you want to say hi to the people? Hi, people. So I guess today we are going to be delving into a story of yours a little bit in your uh, mm-hmm. cocaine dealing days. As alluded in that first episode, I really wanted to get into this. So um, it's going to be interesting going down that rabbit hole. But before we do that, do you have any fun things to share on this beautiful Monday? On this beautiful Monday? I fa. You ate fa? I ate fa. <laughs> Yeah, I, I haven't had that in so long. It's really good, though. I re- I've been eating it, like, almost every week. How much hoisin sauce do you put in there? None. You don't put any hoisin I'm sauce in there? I'm a sriracha, man. Oh. I gotta try the sriracha. I just... I'm plain. There's nothing on it, just lime and sriracha. Lamb and sriracha? Lime. Lime and sriracha. I'm like, mm, lamb sounds good. So, <laughs> speaking of food, Antonio and I went to Texas Day Brazil this last weekend. Fancy. And they have lamb there, like a cut of lamb. Dude, it's so good. I think it's the best meat there, honestly. I've never had lamb. You've never had lamb? No. I don't know how I can describe it, but it's it's pretty solid. But, uh, no, I know <laughs> we... Solid. It, it's pretty solid. Like, you know how... I, I don't know. It's like... It's really tasteful. It definitely has a good, like, savory taste to it. Would you say it's addicting? Uh... I'm not sure if I can go that far. Oh, and it's not that good. Well, some crack on it. Compared to a lot of the other meats, I think it was oh. up there. I still never had Texas or the day Brazil. Texas day Brazil. Yeah. I never had it either. Yeah, no, it's a well. It's interesting because you know how we've had people that we know that have gone there and like they'll talk about like the slicing of the meats and whatnot. Yeah. Like, thanks to people that we know that have gone there before, I went in with a game plan because they have like a little salad and soup bar and Antonia wanted stuff from there and I'm like oh no I'm not here to play games I know what I'm here for I'm here for the meat and that is it and because I was super thirsty too I think I had like five Shirley Temples we both had Shirley Temples but I drank like five Shirley Temples because I we ran out of drinks to have around here and so I also have no idea what a Shirley Temple is you don't know what it no um, well, that might upset like 98% of the listeners that know what a Shirley Temple is. It's a Sprite or 7-Up with grenadine. See, I was thinking it was alcohol. No. No. I was just like, sir, you are an alcoholic. 
No, we are pure souls here. I'm just kidding. We actually ended up having alcohol during a Super Bowl party. Um, Gross. I had, I had a Corona. It was okay. But had a Philly cheesesteak, and that was good. I had a pizza, and then I got really bloated, and then I went to bed early. <laughs> right after the Super Bowl, I just passed out. Oh, really? Uh, were you rooting for anybody? No, I hate both of them. <laughs> just fair. equally. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, no, I, uh, it's an event where, like, so obviously because I'm a Broncos fan, I was rooting against the Chiefs, and then when they won, I was just sitting there, and I was like, uh, why do I waste my time with this? It's when bad things happen with the teams that I root for, where I really start questioning, like, why, why do I even care? Like, why do I care about this stuff? Exactly. There's like, it's such a waste of time. And yeah, this may piss off a lot of people that are sports fans, but it's like, there's no benefit really that you get out of it. But yet I keep going back for the entertainment because the entertainment aspect is addicting because I grew up with it as a kid, but. Okay. I got one that can irritate people too. What's that? Super Bowl. Halftime show. It was pretty boring. It was pretty boring? It was pretty boring. I actually missed it. You did not miss anything. <laughs> I I was going in there with high expectations, and I was disappointed. I kept trying to get under Antonio's skin because Antonio is a Rihanna fan, from what I gather. I didn't know this until, like, <laughs> two weeks ago when I found out that she was doing the halftime show. But I was just sitting there and saying all these things just to get under her skin. Like, eh, I'm going to skip the halftime show. Rihanna's overrated. And then as soon as I, I'd say overrated her jaw would drop and she'd be like you better shut your mouth on rihanna and i was like i feel like a lot of the listeners are probably thinking the same thing she's all right it was all right i'll give i'll give her credit i actually do prefer her over people like cardi b and megan the stallion i think particularly cardi b is trash megan the stallion is pretty trash rihanna's okay rihanna sings no yeah (laughs) they rap that's true I also think Beyonce's a little overrated. Yeah, me too. I think once you get to a certain level of hype and fame, it's like it's impossible for you to be underrated. She's at that level. Bruno Mars is not though. Bruno Mars is not. He's he's perfectly rated. He's perfectly rated. He's perfectly rated. He's not overrated. So there's this there's this YouTube channel that I'll watch, and it's a guy that does sports stuff. But every so often he'll come out with these videos on judging whether something is underrated overrated or properly rated Mm -hmm. and it's mostly sports stuff but every now and then he'll address ones that are or just random things from musical artists to actors to just random stuff i think like he was judging like hawaiian pizza okay (laughs) um kind of like we were kind of talking about underrated yeah i i think i think hawaiian pizza is overrated but you don't like flavor no, I like when two flavors actually are cohesive together. I don't, I don't find cohesion there. Ham and pineapple go together. Ham and pineapple? Yes. It's like, Maybe, but not on a pizza. It's like Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. It's ham and pineapple. Who's is Adam Ham? Or is yes, Eve it'd Ham? Yes, it'd be the ham. It's me. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> So what you're saying is is when Eve, you know, took a bite off the fruit of the tree, she was just trying to be with her own. She was trying know, to be a fruit? She was trying to be a fruit. 
Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, interesting uh, relating pineapple pizza to biblical references. So we're off to a fast, uh, fast start here tonight. But, <laughs> you know, and that fast start can be achieved through cocaine, but I promise you that it's not tonight because from what I gather, as you may understand, that's what it does, doesn't it? It makes people kind of go... Stupid. Yeah. Uh, kind of weird also saying that you say cocaine, though. People usually just shorten that word out. Cokey? <laughs> that's also weird, too. <laughs> Cocaina? Hey, you know, I'll take that. Yeah, but I mean, uh, yeah, I used to slang the sugar. I think when I first started doing it, you know, I was selling weed before, you know, I started selling coke. Just, I feel like everybody starts with something small. But I was in high school and I sold weed. And I was always broke. Smoke weed every day. Yeah, basically. I, want, I wanted to, like, add that sound bit in there. <laughs> basically, uh, you know, I'd be in high school selling it just enough to get more and buy food. Hmm. That's all it was when I sold weed. Enough to buy more. And basically, we just eat pizza every day. We used to ditch school and go get Little Caesars like every day. Little Caesars is a very... In high school... Underrated choice, in my opinion. In high school, that was key. Because nobody could buy Little Caesars every day. <laughs> oh. Well, then they have like... I don't know if they still have it, but don't they have like a pizza you can get for like five bucks or something like that? Yeah, that's why. Oh, okay. You're in high school. High school kids are broke. <laughs> Especially in the hood. Yeah, I I was on my McDonald's game. I would uh, try almost try that supersize me thing, but in real life, I think at one point I was regularly having McDonald's like two or three days a week. And even though I stayed skinny, man, I felt like shit. It was terrible. Dude, I had Taco Bell every day. No, Wendy's every day. Because I had a friend that worked at Wendy's, and he gave it to me like you buy one, you get the free. Buy one, get one free for Wendy's? Yeah. And oh, he wow. gave it to me half off, and then he gave me the one free. Okay. So. Why did he give you, like, the throwaway stuff, or did they give you good stuff? And they just he just gave me care? the same same crap I ordered. Oh, wow. <laughs> every time. And then talk about it would be my lunch every day, and then breakfast was McDonald's. Five days oh, a week. Did you get, uh, what did you call those things from McDonald's? The breakfast things? The Griddles. The griddles, yeah. The ones that have, like, the little syrup balls in them? I did not have that kind of money in high school. No? <laughs> Sausage biscuits. <laughs> well, I thought maybe it would deal in the the marijuana that you you may have enough for that. Oh, uh, no! I went all to pizza. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> got like three boxes every day, and then I started getting my transportation to go back home. But no, I mean it started with with the week, and then I ended up meeting a friend of mine. He got transferred from a different school, and then he went to the school that I was going to. And I didn't know he was selling coke. You know, we still continued our day. I still sold weed. He sold coke on the side without us really knowing knowing about it. And then we transferred to schools. Right. Um, when we transferred to a different school, we started hanging out more. And that's when I started noticing what he was doing. I was against it. I'm like, uh, no. Um, I'm only going to stick to weed. And then I, st I stopped selling weed. I like, then I was like, all right, no. I'm not going to sell anything anymore. I'm going to stay good, clean. Because I don't want to get caught with anything. And, you know, I did that for like two years. 
Until I grad the minute that I graduated high school. I started going to parties. And the first thing that went in my mind, I'm like, oh my god, I probably make so much money at these parties. So he basically gave me a little bit to sell. Okay. And I'm very like I'm a very approachable guy at first. Okay. So I sold it really quick. A very sugary guy. If you sugary know. guy. Yeah. But that was like one of the things that was probably the biggest, I'll say like a downfall. I ended up liking the, that attention. You know, went from like parties here and there to, you know, I started selling a lot more. I'd probably carry around three to $4,000 a night of Coke with me. And they'll be sold out within like the first 30, 30 minutes to an hour. But the thing that sucked about doing it was I was depressed, but I never knew I was depressed because hmm. I never had enough time to deal with all that stuff. Now, for just for clarification, you only sold it. You never used it. No, right? never. Right. Never. Yeah. So I, well, the, well, the reason I ask is because like you say you're like depressed, but isn't the effects of it is almost like uh, the opposite, right? It's what do you, what do you call it? Hypes you up. Yeah. Gets you moving. Yeah. Yeah, even when, when um, we went to go buy some, my friend was the one that tasted it to see if it was good. I did not touch it at all. Okay. I just bagged them up for him. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I didn't know I was that depressed until I think for me it was realizing the power that I had. You know, I'd go to parties, clubs, or whatever, and I would see people that I went to high school with. Right. Literally on their knees begging for me to give them a 20. And I would just, you know, I'd just be like, get away from here. I, I don't want to sit down. Never kicked them, kicked them, but you know, I pushed them off on my feet. Right. Because I mean, they're already on the floor. I didn't know it was turning to really dark. Until, yeah, after doing a cup for a couple of months, good money coming in and everything. And the one of the turning points in my life was outside of, I've had a gun pointed to my face many times. Like three to four times. Right to the dome of my head. Lovely. I've only experienced that feeling once, so. But it's like that. That's, that's, that's when I was noticing that I was depressed. Because I never flinched when it was on my. When, when they put it on my face. Oh, wow. And it was to like the last one when I was like, oh, shoot, something's up because I'm not flinching from this. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, the, like my one time, I was scared shitless. Like, almost shitless. I, I managed not to crap my pants which I was very proud of myself for but that's crazy just almost like you're facing mortality in the face and just nothing like you don't you don't even feel much of a response to it because you know how like people have like the fight flight or freeze responses it didn't mm -hmm. really seem like you had any of that like, didn't, you didn't you yeah. know, it's like you didn't even sense you were in danger in a way for me it was more like I don't want to say it was a freeze um, even though I didn't move it was just more of that battle, you know, who has the biggest balls. Right. And that's what I was thinking the whole time. Deep down, I was probably, I was thinking, you know, just pull it. But, yeah, it started with things like that, too. We started changing my mindset of a lot of things. It even went down to, let's see, one, I used to have a friend that used to do it with me. Yeah, we, we used to have this one thing where we'd always invite a guy with us and we'd give him a 20. It's just a little bump and coat. Right. And we'd be like, okay, <clears throat> we're going to give you this. You're going to sniff it in front of other people. We usually always get like a very big hype man that's with us the whole time. Okay. So he kind of like advertises it for us. And all we do is just spend 20 bucks. So 
he he advertised. We took uh, a wrong guy that I always had a gut, like, not a good feeling with. So we gave him a twenty. He uh, he did his thing, and then he started picking fights. For me, the mindset that I was in at that time was, and it changed from how it was at the beginning to that moment in my life. Right before it was like I'm protecting all my people that are with me. You know, they're all my family. Everybody's being safe to the point where this specific moment was. I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I'm going to get my ass beat because of something somebody did. I was like, if you caused it, you're doing it yourself. I'm not jumping in. Even if there's like multiple people jumping in, that's on you, buddy. Because you put yourself in that situation. So he starts going crazy, starts picking a fight with a bunch of people. And then my friend, his mindset changed. Because he was the same way I was. To, I'm protecting all the people that are around me. So. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, uh, I mean, I feel like at that point when, like, shit really goes down, you're, it's coming down to, like, self-preservation in a way. I mean, I was, even, even at the parties before that, too, when we take people and they start fighting, I would just watch. I'm not gonna jump in or anything. Or even if it was my friend, he started to fight, I'm not gonna help him. Help him. Because I'm like, alright, I have maybe two grand of stuff in me. Plus all the stuff that I have. I'm not going to get my ass beat for something he started. If they started it, that's a whole different story. Right. Of course I'm going to protect them. Right. But if he's the one starting the fight, I'm not protecting them. Yeah. Seems like... Yeah, because one, you want to show that, like, yeah, if they're... Your friend's getting attacked, you got their back. But on the other hand, if they're... If they're the ones doing the attacking... They're not really taking into account the cost benefit of it. Exactly. It doesn't really seem like there's much in it for you by... Yeah, but like, it's funny, that one specific day that I was saying, like, he, the, the, the hype man got in a fight, right before that, I had a gut feeling. Like, we're in a new territory that we've never been to, and I was just like, I told my friend, I was like, hey man, do you want me to hold half your stuff? Something's not feeling right for me here. Normally, when we get signs like that, we just bounce. Right? Right. Because uh, we're like, we got too much to lose. <laughs> what caused this situation to be different? I, it was a new territory. It was in the east side. We've never been in the east side of Colorado. I don't know if you know about the east side, but it's pretty bad over there. I, I've heard, I've heard things by the Montbell area. So I just had a gut feeling, and I'm like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing any of this. And I'm like, dude, if you want me to hold half your stuff, I can hold half your stuff. And he's like, nah. You know, we're gonna have a good party, good day. We give the guy the twenty. Starts going crazy, bumping it. Starts throwing other like people's drugs away, like people are trying to do their drugs. Just slaps them off of them. He's like, that thing's crap. I know the best plug here. And I'm like, oh man. <laughs> and he starts swinging at people that aren't buying from us. Okay. <laughs> it, it was a little too strong for him. So um, he swings and you just see like a whole cloud of just dirt everywhere. And then my friend decides to jump in. He's like, oh no, he's my guy. He starts jumping him, jumping in to help him. At that that moment in my life, I was like, I don't know what to do. Because, one, it's breaking my rule. I'm not jumping in on something someone else caused. But I was like, but then again, that's my best friend. So, I mean, I was just like, you know what? It's not my battle. But I let it happen. And before I knew it, somehow the fight got into the front of the house. And they were like a block away. And this all happened within five, ten minutes. I turn around, 
half a block away and I see my friend on his knees bleeding. And then he gets like basically like Spartan kick right in the mouth. He lose any teeth or he lost a couple. Did he? Um that's when like everything just snapped on me. Started running over there. I probably punched something I shouldn't have punched. But <laughs> you know, I, I had to do what I had to do and I picked him up. I, I literally had to carry that dude like three or four blocks to to the SUV. And he lost everything. He lost all of his coke. All his valuables, which is about like he probably lost like six k that night. Oof. Yeah, that's a significant amount of money. The next, I didn't see him for like two, three days. But when I saw him, oh no, that's a lie. I saw him the next day. Um, he was missing maybe like three, four teeth. His whole eyes were swollen, scratches and cuts everywhere in his face and body, and I had no emotional feeling for it. Rather than you're a dumbass. I was more pissed. Yeah. Because I'm like, selfishly, I was like, you put me in jeopardy for taking care of your dumbass. Like, I treat, I treat him out, and he, he was like, you couldn't even really walk. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was something like that, too, where it started making me go dark. Hey, you know, another moment, too, we're at a party one time, and, <clears throat> again, it was a girl that I knew. And I, I truly had, like, I liked this chick back in high school. And I haven't seen her in a year, so I was like, oh. Darn, I'm gonna get at her. Didn't know she was a big cokehead, so that kind of uh, like a big turn off for me. Interesting, because this this is when I knew she was like a cokehead. <laughs> um, and this is where I want to tell you where my mindset was at at the moment. So, she she was trying to ask me for something. I said, "You got twenty dollars?" I'm not just gonna give it away. She's like, "No," and then she started offering, you know, services. Ah. Of the, uh... Yeah, then I, you know, I basically just called her a dumbass. I ripped the little 20, like, little baggie. Uh-huh. Just threw all the powder on the floor. And the first thing she does is jump on the floor and starts picking for it. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Dang. <laughs> well, but, yeah. No, nothing screams desperation like that. That's wild. Just for a 20, I mean, that's like nothing. Very little. Um, But then that same night, again, we went with our hype man. These are the people I'm choosing. I'm very selective on the people I chose. <laughs> right. Um, he ended up bringing his little brother <clears throat> to a party. Okay. The, kid, the kid was like 12, 13 years old. Oof. Uh, the, the hype man was probably early 20s at the time. <clears throat> the hype man had to go home early, you know, after maybe two, three hours before the whole party ended. Mm-hmm. We're like, whatever. His brother wanted to still party. An hour later, after the dude left, we found out why he wanted to leave home early. He owed some dudes money. And they were there, I'm guessing? And they were there. Oh, wow. They found their little brother. They beat that kid unconsciously in the middle of the street. Like seven, eight dudes. Beating up this little 12, 13-year-old kid. 12, 13-year-old kid. You ever know what happened to this kid? Again, at that time in my life. Yeah. Not my problem. Not my business. Oh, wow. So that's where... Like, I, I was just looking at it. Like, the kid getting beat up. No emotional feeling towards it. The kid should have left when he should have left. See, my mind goes, like, in that same situation, I'm like, I'm calling the police, I'm calling CPS, like, not to be a rat or anything, but, like, this kid is, like, this kid needs to go to, like, yeah. needs CPS, <clears throat> so that's crazy. Man. He was unconscious in the middle of the street for, so like, 30, 40 minutes after the party. 
the kid got jumped we went back to the party he was still in the middle of the street unconscious yeah i mean things like that too it's like now i look at it reflect on those things now and i'm like i would have never done that now i would have jumped in or something because do you do you ever get like feelings of guilt about any of that kind of stuff or is it um is it more just like for you are you more in that forward focusing mindset in the sense of like you know i can't really change what happened there but i can you know say if i saw the same situation my reaction is going to be completely different yeah i mean i don't reflect on anything in the past because again it can't be changed right I could feel bad for that kid getting beat up, but what is that really going to do for me right. right now? But I mean, now if I saw that, it's a whole different story. I'm going to jump in. Right. I'm not going to have a little kid get beat up in front of me. Yeah. You know, things like that too. It's like a lot of people don't really tell you that that was, you know, selling just anything in general. You start feeling a power and it really gets to you. And then you start being very paranoid with everything because you can't really trust anybody. And that was a big problem with my friends and I too kind of reminds me of those mafia movies you what? know like you ever see those mafia movies where you got like the drug lord who's got all the power but then he always feels like he has to look behind his shoulder every single second to see who's gonna stab him in the back and that's that's exactly how it is like I said I had my best friend we've been friends since we're fifth graders Just never trusted him you know when he's when he's like weighing the coke and everything I had to be there what happened to a lot of these people that you did this stuff with? Are you still connected with any of them? Um, you... Well, I was going to get to that too in a bit. Crazy story with all of them. What made me really want to change my life. Okay. Um, so do we want to save that for like a teaser? No, I mean, this, this, this could still all go like later, later in a bit. Um, yeah, it's just little things like that. You start feeling the power and you start really... The more power you start gaining, the less stress you start having in people. Because like I had my friend trusted that guy with my life. Didn't trust him with the money. Mm. I'd always have a feeling like he'd be trying to rip me off or something like that. Right. And vice versa. And it's a horrible, horrible thing to be having, especially with you know your best friend. And you know, little you you know something goes off, you start blaming the person. Well, I promise I won't wh- rip you off from your drug money. Well, I don't do that anymore. (laughs) Exactly. That's why I made the promise. Yeah, and like, you know, putting the gun to my face, seeing kids get beat up, my best friend getting beat up. None of those really clicked for me. Like, I just didn't care. It was until we went to a club. It was my best friend, two of his brothers, they all did too, and another I don't know who it was. It was just a Puerto Rican dude. Don't, I don't know. I don't remember that guy. But I just remember he was Puerto Rican. The brother ended up seeing somebody he didn't like. I guess it was also a few that they also had with, you know, drugs and stuff like that. But he didn't like them. And they just, you know, started fighting right in, the, right in front of the club. Brawling and everything. And then the cops came. We all split. We took off. And I guess those guys kind of cornered that dude and just jumped them. Oh, wow. To where he broke his arm. Uh, it was all within the same night. He went back home. You know, his arm's still, you know, of course broken. The Puerto Rican dude had that other dude's number. And we're just going to meet him at a McDonald's. At that moment, we're going to meet him at a McDonald's. And we're just like, one, you know, one of us are going to be walking out alive. Again, I was just like, this ain't my battle. But I'm like, I'm already knees, <laughs> knees deep in this. So, you know, I got to do something. 
So, you know, they had a bunch, a couple of guns. They gave me one, and we're just gonna roll up to the McDonald's and just shoot them up. It wasn't until I got maybe, I don't know, a block and a half from it, when they, something just snapped in my, my brain. Where I'm like, if I'm going this route, there's only two ways I'm gonna come out of this. Dead or in jail. And, you know, I started reflecting on every single thing, because I don't know what it was, it just snapped. You know, I started thinking about that kid. I started thinking about the girl that I liked. All those things where I'm like, none of this stuff is Chris. I'm a very loving dude, and now I'm just going to go shoot some dude. You know, that after that night, you, thank God the guys didn't show up. But after that night, it just all changed for me. I'm just like, all right, I need to get out of this. I'm changing the group of people that I'm around. And by that, I had to change my job to work at nights. So I wouldn't be forced to go back out. Right. Yeah, that's smart. So I started distracting myself and getting away from them. And, you know, I meet them maybe two, three years later after all that. And, of course, my best friend's a drug addict. Uh, his brothers are all drug addicts. I know I went out to a party with them one time, just just casually. Didn't go well at all. They were like a whole 180 people. Based, you know, just from all the drugs that they've been doing. Finding out just like two years ago that two of the brothers passed away. They got shot down. Oh, wow. My best friend's in jail doing 20. So it's like things like that were, you know, I'm very grateful that something snapped on me that day. Because that could have been one of me. If the three people that I surrounded myself with all are either dead or in jail. Yeah. No, that's... It almost seems like it was like the last possible minute for you to make that, yeah, make that switch. That's interesting though because you're, <laughs> you've told me that you've had you have like these different stories that you could tell people on their podcasts and radio stations. <laughs> I now see why it kind of. I feel like if more people knew about this story, it's really one that is worth telling because. You've pretty much been on the brink of what darkness has to offer. Close, yeah. In a lot of ways. So <laughs> the funny thing is though. How was, how long was this? Yeah, before you joined the team. Um before we met? I stopped at twenty one. Stopped at twenty one. Nineteen to twenty one. Okay. Give or take. Okay, so then that was about about another two three years after. Two, three years. Funny thing is, and I was telling this like to my ex when we were together. During that time, because I wasn't dating anybody, I was trying to better myself. How so? <laughs> so I mean, maybe your business hacking in, and, in a way. But. So when I, I got out of like a, at that time, brutal relationship, you know, two months in, um, I was heartbroken. I'm like, you know, right, I finished high school and everything. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna better myself. I'm gonna be the best version I can be for me. Starting started selling coke. <laughs> it seemed right at the not, moment also not sponsored <laughs> not sponsored but no, I'm <laughs> but yeah I mean I, I don't know what I don't know how it even went there I just probably wanted more money and yeah it just became like basically like a drug you become addicted to the power that you have interesting <laughs> No, I think most people do go through that phase at one point, you know, after kind of like a breakup or a split or a dump or whatever you want to call it. I feel like usually a guy has like that 
feeling afterwards of like, yeah, I'm going to better myself from me. See, and the crazy thing is, too, though. You're just backfiring. <laughs> Spectacularly. Yeah, like, as soon as I left everything, I had the biggest trust issues. I couldn't trust anybody. I couldn't be open to anybody. The downside is that I carried to all my relationships. Yeah. Whether we mean one my ex, my coaches. I would not be open to them at all. It was until, oddly enough, August, when I saw that vulnerability was actually a strength and not a weakness. And it was just, you know, you, Colleen, and Steve that kind of see me, helped me see that. You know what's interesting about it is that I, even though my experience getting into a phase of my life of not trusting people came about very differently from yours, it is interesting how easy that tends to happen. I know that that's something that Antonia and I have talked about. I think it's very easy to get to a point where you aren't trusting people because of a situation or another, but you eventually had to realize at some point through... Yeah, downside is it's like, you know, I was saying before, the unfortunate was my exes, my exes, my coaches, and all the people that I, that I loved all had to deal through it. Because I only gave them enough for them to be satisfied. Right. Because I can tell you this, we'll say like percent-wise, the person that I trusted the most, which is my best friend, that's in jail now, probably knew like 60% of me. Hmm. And then it went to my ex, which was probably like 40. You'd say even like today that would be the case? Well, today's a whole different thing now. Right. It's probably, you're, you're probably like a, like a lot higher than that now. Then. Yeah, no. I'm just open with anything now. Right. What people tell me and I'm just going to say it. Yeah. I I think it's good though because when you, when you are open like that, you really get to be who you are and that actually does benefit the people around you. I don't got nothing to hide no more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So yes, uh, listeners, if you guys are looking for cocaine, you can't find it here. Uh, you'll have to look somewhere else. Um, I know you're disappointed because Chris would probably be a better dealer than anybody that you got, but he's retired. He's retired from the game. He didn't go out on the bottom. You know how like when people are in a profession and like especially like in sports and they win a championship before they retire, you hear that phrase like, ah, oh, he went out on top. Well, I don't. I don't see anything like that in like no, the I drug don't. dealing. I was thinking, I was like, well, "Where's the top for me there?" <laughs> well, like, technically, it'd be the bottom. I mean, technically, you didn't end up dead or in prison, so yet, yet. No joke. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody sees me like, "Oh, it's Chris." No, this is a whole different person. You know, what's interesting is one of the guests that I would like to have on here eventually is my cousin who was a cop and that'll honestly that would be beautiful he's actually on our list of guests for to uh possibly have in the future and you know interesting story with him and his marriage and he was a cop his dad was a cop Um, his dad actually retired as a homicide detective so it'd be a very interesting thing of like if if i ever get him on here i i just wouldn't be able to help him be like Man, I got a cop and a drug dealer in the same room together. <laughs> so if I stop being on podcast after <laughs> that one, now you know why. <laughs> I ended up being in jail. <laughs> oh, man. No, it is a compelling story, though, because I think 
I think the, the the story about how you had that click, like literally moments before you would perform a theoretical drive by, is is harrowing. It almost it almost like keeps you on the edge of your seat. If like, oh man, I'm about ready to go do this thing, but the fact that you're here telling the story, it makes it all the more intense in terms of how close and how thin of a thread it would be between you being here to tell the story and not. See, that's the thing that even when I was on their way to the McDonald's, I was very calm in that moment. Right. Nothing was rushing in my head. I'm just like, all right, we just got to get it over with. And then, like I said, something clicked. And the crazy thing is, it's like, I mean, you, you listen to music and everything. They always highlight the pros of being a drug dealer. Yes, they Nobody do. Nobody ever highlights the negatives of it. Yeah, that is interesting. Because there's there's way more negatives than there is positives. The positives is the women and the money. And I guess the power. Outside of that, nothing else. I think the other issue that I have with songs like that is that like, it does keep you in such a mind state of mediocrity, so to speak. And that... I. I somewhat feel like that's what it's designed to do is to, you know, promote these things that maybe they don't know actually anything about, depending on their background, maybe they do. But regardless of the fact, it, it is interesting that those things are promoted and that's what makes them money a lot of times versus when if you listen to them in interviews, they could probably tell you all this stuff of like, yeah, this is not as cool as you'd think, but promoting it on the songs get some money and it keeps people mediocre so I mean the biggest smalls of 10 crack amendments is like a very solid song about how to properly do things well, I don't advertise people to listen to that song that's fair, that's fair. <laughs> you know to on the lighthearted side of it though somewhat so I knew somebody um I won't disclose his name on here he's not somebody I've talked to in a little while but He's the only person I know that's ever been a user of cocaine. Mm -hmm. And it was when I was living in Kentucky. And I'd only seen him do it a couple times. It's kind of interesting the habit that he had. He would like do it for a few months at a time. And then be off of it for a few months at a time. Oh, wow. And then do it for a few months at a time. And then be off of it. Um, I'm guessing he doesn't do it anymore. But the main reason he decided to use it was because his job was very demanding and that's how he used it to keep up with his job. I was just going to say my best customer was actually my roommate. Oh yeah. <laughs> Same thing. He worked, uh, I think it was like maybe 14 hours every day, six days a week, heavy machinery work. <laughs> well, that's the kind of hours <laughs> this dude was on. And like, this guy's like the same age I am. And like, he was telling me the last time I talked to him roughly about a year ago, he was telling me about, some of the things that he was worried about from a health problems standpoint with like all the anxiety and all the pressure that he had for for work because he he's in a profession where you're very much paid for your performance so mm. and he's paid very well so that all that pressure has you know in a way kind of caught up to him over the years and i do wonder how i i may have to check in on how he's doing he's within the last couple of years alone i think he has gotten married and has a kid now, so... Oh, wow. Um, See, even my roommate, but the downside is it's uh, an unwanted kid. Mm -hmm. And he's not 
married, I think. I think it's deported. For the dumbest thing, but... <laughs> That's wild, though. So your friend that is in jail for the time... You mentioned that, that you visited him a time or two, haven't you? Well, I've been wanting to. It's just kind of weird. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, buddy, um... How's jail? I don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> That would be interesting. I've never given anybody a jail visit before. I thought, I would imagine that that would be kind of... There'd be an awkwardness to it, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and then people are just like, you know... Um, a lot of people are just going to be like, well, I mean, they probably just want to see a, f- a familiar face and, you know, feel happy about it. And I'm like, first, I haven't seen the dude in like three, four years now. And I'm like, second is, yeah, he wants to see a f- familiar face, but you think he really wants to see him in a jail? From someone he hasn't seen in four years. Or I guess five now. You know, it could be... could be the case of what you were saying. I would be really interested... Because I know sometimes jail does... And prison does change people. And sometimes it doesn't. It would almost be interesting to see what... The case with him would be. You know what's crazy with him though? He is... The reason why I am like today. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's the one that wanted me to be an entrepreneur. He's the one that wanted me to read books more. Be a Christian. He sowed the seed in me. And then a few years later, I ended up meeting somebody that actually kind of uh, helped me with the whole process. It made it a lot easier for me. Yeah. It's interesting. I think if nothing else, that might be something that you could talk to him about when you visit, though, is... Be like, oh, yeah. hey, this is where I am, and I have you to thank for that. I know that life may not necessarily have have gone the way that you wanted it to, but it, even if maybe you believe you've done all the bad things, you really haven't because I'm an example. Yeah, and I mean, good behavior could be on in 10 more years. Yeah, so it, it's really interesting to me because there's this YouTube guy that I will watch every now and then. So he got in for... For being one of like the world's most renowned jewel thieves, yeah, back in the '90s, I think his name is Larry Lawton. Has a really, I think, a New York accent. Like he's very New York, but Larry, Larry, yes. Um, but yeah, he. I would listen to his videos because you know after with what happened with my my sister and her killer getting locked up for life, like I was very interested in what prison life was actually like. For people, so he actually gives some insight on that stuff, but he talks about how he's kind of the a good shining example of like somebody who was able to reform. So he served his time, got out, and started doing like some really good stuff after he got out. Started his YouTube channel, took off, and I think he uses a lot of that to help a lot of different people, especially when it comes to prison reform and what have you. But um, yeah, it's. It's interesting. So it's not impossible for people to have that turnaround. I mean, 20 years is a long time. If he gets out on good behavior, probably what, about 15? Yeah, I think, he's, I think he's at four or five years right now. Okay. So maybe good behavior, you know, 11 more years, 10 more years. Yeah. Hopefully. See, I think the tough thing is, is like, if he is somebody that really does reform through his experience, mm-hmm. like, who's going to help him when he gets out? That's the thing. I mean, even two of his brothers passed away. Yeah. So, he, I mean, does he have any family or does he literally got nobody? His mom, his sister. Okay. But, I guess his sisters. His mom was 
you know, very anti with that whole drug thing. Right. To to my knowledge, they she probably didn't even know that they did it. You know, now at this point, who knows? And then the sisters, they're probably gonna try to distance themselves away from him. Yeah. And the crazy thing is that they have, I think they're four brothers in total. The one that's actually been in jail, served for a couple years. I checked up on him maybe not that long ago. He's doing very well. Oh yeah. Like happy and everything. He's like he's he's a weird guy, but he's happy. And I'm like, well, dude, even now for like, jeez, I think I was a junior in high school. Since then, so I'm like, well, you're still doing pretty good. You're one weird kid, but doing well for yourself. You know, the other thing too I was thinking about was in regards to your friend is you think about how it relates to the call of you helping broken men, right? And no, maybe, you know, maybe he's the one that may have convinced you to, you know, find your faith, read books, build yourself, all that stuff might be worth going in and checking in if he's doing those things. And maybe if he's so dejected and he's lost his way or even if he is doing those things you give him somebody to talk about with those things and it may not be like where you visit him on a regular basis or anything like that but you know maybe once in a while and yeah, i think i was supposed to go visit him in november uh just because my friend at the time was gonna drive to ohio and i'm just like dude we just stop by real quick because he's also your friend. Just see him real quick. You know, those plans ended up not going as expected because he got in a car accident and we just couldn't drive over there anymore. But he's like four hours away. I'm like, well, I guess it'd just be a whole day planned if I want to go see him. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I could always do a phone call. I guess so, yeah. Because I know they have certain things for that. I think you have to pay for that, though, don't you? I mean, yeah. It's almost the same thing, I mean. Not face-to-face. Face-to-face is way better, but at least this one, something that the business actually taught me is get the phone call before you make the full commitment. You know, well, you know what's interesting is the the guy I was telling you about, the YouTube guy, Mm -hmm. one of the things that he mentioned is that just having someone call into you when you're there makes a huge world of difference. People have been telling me that, too. They're like, just give him a call. I'm like, "Mm, I don't know, man. It's kind of weird having talked to him in like four years. I mean, I understand that it'd be something you'd have to mentally be prepared for, I, I would, too. I could see myself, like, maybe putting it off for quite a while. Before. I'll say like this. The last real conversation him and I had, 21. 21? 21. You're 26 now, so that's, yeah. Almost 27. Yeah. yeah. Good minute. Yeah. Because the last time I ended up seeing him months later, a couple of years later, he was a little, you know, tweaking. I just didn't know. I'm just like, hey. At that time, too, it was, you know, still had that mentality a little bit where I'm like, it's not my business. I'm not going to give a handout when he hasn't asked for it. And for the longest time, um, I was putting that blame on myself. As far as what well, happened with him? And, oh, okay. Just because I was just like, he, he did reach out to me one time, but it was just more like, hey, can I go back and move in with you? Um, but he doesn't ask, like, specifically ask me for help. But I was just like, nah, dude, I need to get away from you. I need to work on myself. And yeah, a couple yeah years later, we found out he's in jail. And I did put that blame on myself for a while, and then it took me a while. I was just like, nah, he's a grown man. Yeah. If he's battling something, he should have just came out and said it. Or reached, got some help, or 
It is interesting. I do find when I have conversations, when it comes to decisions and people making them. The reason I have a lot of compassion for kids is because they are often not in control of their actions. Well, not even their actions. They don't have the brain development, but a lot of the bad situations that a lot of kids find themselves in, like that 13-year-old that you were talking about, yeah, all had to do with decisions that other people made. His older brother decided to put him in that situation. That yeah. wasn't his doing. The problem is, is that the older that people get, the more I shift the empathy of them being in a bad situation to... You know, eventually you have to be your own person and make your own decisions. But, yeah, it it does suck seeing stuff and hearing about stuff like that happening. Obviously, we don't know what has happened to the 13-year-old kid. Hopefully, he's good now. But Yeah, I, mean, I don't know either. Probably something we'll likely never know. No. But it's like, even now, too, for me, my mindset has changed before because before it was just more of, you deal with your own battles. I don't care. Now it's just more of like, what's the root of, you know, the problem that they're going through? Because there's always a deeper meaning to a lot of things. Right. Like for, for example, I mean, I had to deal with, I had to find the deep root of me being vulnerable. And once I found that, it's just been a lot easier for me. It was a good, ex- eh. you know what, I'll say it's a good experience that I went through that because that made me the person I am today. Listen to the D.A.R.E. programs, kids. Drugs are bad, but... <laughs> you see, this is probably going to be our different environments, but I never knew what D.A.R.E. was until I was in my 20s. Oh, really? Yeah, D.A.R.E. was something that was a program that came to my grade school when I was like 11, 12. It was pretty much just drilled into your head that drugs are bad. I still don't know what D.A.R.E. means. Uh... I did at one point. I no longer know what it means. I know the D stands for drugs. <laughs> That's about it. That's all I knew, too. But it's like, yeah, things... Yeah, my, when I was growing up, it was just none of that because you just saw crackheads outside. So you're like, all right, I'm not doing it. Yeah, no. Even if it didn't get through to me, seeing them on the light rail when I have to go to off the office for work is enough to convince me. Even though I may go into the office, if I'm lucky, once or twice a week anymore, I'll always still see about two of them a month or so. I'm just like, dude, these guys are like just in a completely different planet. And it's hard to get them out of it. Really, really hard. I've seen a couple of almost world star level fights happen because you get like the, the the druggies mixed with like the old fashioned old dude that's just sick of seeing everybody do drugs oh, all the time. Wow. <laughs> so there's this one time. I was high school around there, maybe senior, junior year. Uh this homeless man was peeing. Kinda like on a balcony like not a balcony, but like a like a slab of concrete that was, you know, at least a floor high. Mm-hmm. And he's peeing. Couldn't couldn't really stand up straight. He was moving a lot. So good little stream formed. Yeah. Huh. He loses his balance and falls down. And you hear you hear the hit. Like Oh. Just like a huge thud. Like you, you hear it. And then my friend and I are just like, Oh dude, we just saw someone die. We're freaking out. So we start walking towards it. This is just casually walking back up. Dude probably face planning, he's just casually walking. 
I'm just like cracking it's her invincible <laughs> I just I seen a couple been hit by cars and they just get up like it's nothing wonder if it's like cause I know I've heard the whole stories of like when you're sober when you're completely sober and your body will like brace for something really quickly and that'll in a way almost make it worse for you versus if you're impaired in some form your body never really has that like knee-jerk reaction so it stays in a relaxed state where it's like it's obviously it's not gonna be great afterwards still but it's not gonna be all i didn't know crackheads go through the same experience but it doesn't surprise me all i know is he's gonna be off once he gets off them drugs the next day it's probably gonna hurt him like crazy yeah no man i'm glad you shared that story it was one that i actually didn't really know too much about like i was i was heavily involved with the with the broken engagement and everything that you went through, but that part of your life was like well before I even entered the picture, so it was fun learning something new about you. Um, so let me ask you, what did you learn from this? What did I learn from this? Um, the big, honestly, the biggest thing that I learned is that our friendship and connection—it's another thin thread. Because if you made one different decision, I would have never met you. Um, the other thing that I've learned is probably if you're in a position where you're getting a gun held to your head and you're not really you don't really care if the trigger gets pulled or not it's time to time to go seek help <laughs> not something i really learned but something that i think was important for me to say let's see the other thing is that much like the youtube guy i was talking about he says this all the time but Especially with, like, a lot of people that go to prison. Not so much for, like, the Jeffrey Dahmer serial killer types. But, like, <laughs> but for most people that go to prison, even with the picture that's painted of them in the story, I don't really see them as bad people. They just made bad decisions. See, you're forgetting the most important one. What's the most important one? Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. <laughs> drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. <laughs> I'm a huge South Park fan, for the record, so every every time I hear drugs are bad, I think of Mr. Mackey, where he's like, mm, drugs are bad, okay? I thought you were going to go to that, like, saying, drugs are bad. You're like, nah, you know, having a gun to your face. I'm like, that stood out more to you than... <laughs> I mean, I've already, I've already known drugs are bad, though. I've seen, even with something like cocaine, you know, and I... That same buddy of mine was actually giving me advice through a breakup I was experiencing while he was high on cocaine. So that was a very fascinating feature. He he more just wanted me to tell him the story, but he was like overly, overly attentive to it. And I'm like, okay, it's not that it's not that interesting. But I mean, it was at the time. But I'm like, you're paying way too close attention to this. And he's like trying to give me advice. And I'm like. I'm just trying to figure out how to get through this breakup right now. Like, this is all happening so fast. <laughs> little fun story before we end it. So, I was at a... This is someone else on Coke. Um, my friend and I had a smart idea. <clears throat> we didn't want to spend a lot of money. So, there was a raid going on back, back in the day at the Coliseum. Okay. And we bought a... I think it was like 40 or 20 dollars worth of pre-workout unflavored we didn't weigh any of them because we were just like whatever so why we just put them on little tiny little baggies <laughs> oh no it was creatine it was like, no it was no i think it was pre-workout mixed with creatine okay and we just packed them all in sold them maybe 30 i think it was like 40 bucks and those things sold out quick 
the moment that we sold out quick, we took off. Uh-huh. Because all they're going to be doing is sniffing pre-workout. So you didn't even stick around to see if there was, like, I if the placebo get, effect I worked. wasn't going to get jumped. Because <laughs> what if, like, the worst thing is somebody can do is just, they start tasting and they're like, wait a minute, this ain't Coke. Cause it has, like, a numbing feeling. Right. So if they don't have that numbing feeling, see, I, wanted, I wanted to be gone by the time that happened. We, we sold out quick in, like, 30 minutes. So there you go. Don't sell drugs, sell creatine, and get out. <laughs> sell a little cheaper. Market. A little cheaper. And legal. Yeah. Yeah. Legal. They're going to be like, hey, why are you selling Coke? I'm not selling Coke. I'm selling pre workouts to these people. They need the energy. They're going to be up all night. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> essentially, sort of kind of achieves the same goal, so. Kind of was just, um. Just different methods of getting there, I guess. They're both pretty bad. Well. <laughs> <laughs> no. I guess should we end it here? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, want to hear your guys' feedback? And yeah, is there anything else you want to add? Don't do drugs. Almost ate one. Don't do drugs. Have a good day or good night or good evening or whenever you're listening to this. And if you're on drugs right now, get off. Get off the drugs. Bye. <laughs> Howdy, beautiful listeners. We here at Thick and Thin don't take ourselves too seriously, so please enjoy these beautiful outtakes, and hopefully they make your day. Slang the sugar. Slang the sugar. Yeah. Slang the sugar. You sound like a middle-aged dad, like, hey, you you kids slanging the sugar. You said cocaine. Cocaine. (laughs) It's like you had to say the whole word. (laughs) Cocaine. (laughs) Coca-Cola? Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Which I know cocaine. Used used to be originally Coca-Cola. Yeah. Now we know. Well, I guess we knew, but now they know. By the way, before we air this thing, this is like beyond like statute of limitations and stuff, right? Like all the stuff that you hear, you can't like be criminally prosecuted for. No, because it could just be stories. Uh, That's fair. Crackheads are invincible. Just know that. Crackheads are... Okay. Crack... <clears throat> so one time... I, I'm not going to test them. I'm not the one getting in these fights. I don't get into those situations. Okay, okay, okay.